welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. Uh, that's a hot take. That's a scorching take. Uh, I'm not afraid to be bold, though. Thriving, surviving, and watching Rutgers football. There's nothing to respect about Rutgers. You know what? It's pain, but we look good while we do it, man. All right. Hello and welcome to the First in Ten podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis. Uh, We're recording this on the night of Thursday, December 5th. 2019 uh less than a week ago uh the final regular season week of the college football season concluded heading into conference championship week now i'm joined as always by reed murray reed you're in nashville what's up hey patrick um this uh this week we're coming off one of the best rivalry weeks that i could have possibly had um in terms of just football in general because ohio state got a big win Alabama lost and my Titans won against your Colts, so I'm really happy right now. Yeah, that Colts game was was rough. It was not not a fun one. Not a fun one. Kind of exposed a lot of problems with the team. Jacoby Brissett's not a great deep thrower, albeit every receiver on the team was hurt and they were playing literal seventh stringers. You know, just when I was giving up on the Titans, though, Ryan saved the day. Yeah, I'm giving up on the Colts, and it might be time to pick a quarterback. Definitely need to sign or draft a receiver high, though. Like Joe Burrow to the Colts, question mark? It's, they can't tank hard enough. Cincinnati. Nice trades, though. Yeah, I guess they could trade up. They have a lot of capital, but I don't know. I, I like Brissett enough, but I just don't know if he's good enough. I want Joe Burrow to play for the Titans. I love Joe Burrow. He's good. In my opinion on him, total 180. Coming into the season, I said, this LSU team's not as good as a couple of years ago. I remember saying that distinctly. And I remember saying, Joe Burrow, he's fine. Like, he's good. And then he came out, and he just balled out this season and proved me wrong. And good for him. He has done an amazing job this season. Yeah. All right, no Griffin today. Griffin can't join us, but we would have loved to talk to him about uh, the new Rutgers coach, Greg Schiano. That'll be something we talk about for a little bit on this show today because it's a pretty big move and a pretty risky one for Rutgers, honestly, and for Schiano. Uh, we'll get into that later when we talk about Rutgers. But uh, first off, we can talk about Friday's game. I didn't end up getting to watch this one really at all, except for the final couple seconds and the last kick to win it. Uh, Iowa. 27 Nebraska 24 in Lincoln Nebraska finishes five and seven on the year Iowa sneaks by at nine and three or yeah Iowa's nine and three how did how did we get to that how did that happen I thought Iowa was a pretty solid eight and four every single season but hey they went nine and three that's improvement Iowa seven and five eight and four and a pretty good bowl game every year but nine and three it might get them into a better bowl I guess we'll see what happens with that, though. Uh, what did you think about this one? Did you get to watch it at all? I didn't. I did get to watch it. Um, I was. Well, that's, uh, that makes two of us. <laughs> no, I was, I was like, I did get to watch it. Oh, you did. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I was watching this game. I was flipping between the Memphis Cincinnati game and this one. Um, it was yeah, a pretty good was, one. I Iowa so almost blew the blew a lead really badly. Um, I which was... you know that that would have really been bad. They were up. I believe the score was twenty four to seven. Um, and they let Nebraska come all the way back to tie it up at 24, mm-hmm. and eventually Nebraska won by a field goal. So 
I mean, you can really just chalk this up. Uh, you know, you you can just say that this was, uh, you know, they let the rivalry kind of get the best of them, but they still came out with a win and a win in a rivalry game when it's rainy at you know a, a tough uh, road opponent like Nebraska. That's good for Iowa, and um, you know I, th- I believe it's something like the last five years Iowa's won, or maybe maybe it's a shorter number, like three or so. But Iowa's won the past few games in this um, uh, in this Heroes game. I believe that that's what they call it. Um, yeah, quote unquote rivalry. So congrats to them. And I was one say, cool I'm thing about this game is a uh, rivalry. There's no bad blood between these schools. Nebraska's rivals are like who? Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado. Right? Yeah. Am I wrong? But yeah. um, shout we're out to the, Nebraska running back calls. Wyatt Mazur. He put us on uh, – We I put a video of him on our Instagram story, and he put it on his, gave us a little shout out. So wasn't there – there was an Iowa player who yeah. did too. Um, or no, he, he actually DM'd us. It was receiver Nico uh, – I don't know how to pronounce that name. I think it's uh, – God, how do you say this? Ragini? Ragiani? What number is it? 89. 89. I'm just bad at saying last name, so um, don't quote me on whatever his last name is. But uh, he and Nate Stanley also viewed our story. So that was pretty cool. We had a ton of Oh, yeah, and uh, Austin Mack saw our story, too. A couple of notable players like that. Wap Fillier looked at it. Shout out to Superstar Wap. Although he plays for Michigan, Uh, Giles Jackson last week. or. Not yeah. not last week, but like the week before when Ohio State played Penn State and Michigan played Indiana. He shouted us out after I posted a video of him. So getting a little recognition from the mm-hmm. Big Ten players. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, we, we really like it. Maybe we can get somebody on our show one of these and, days. And uh, recently we hit yeah, 200 followers on Instagram, which I know is not a huge milestone. But, you know, we're growing every day. And we just want to give uh, our thanks to our supporters on Instagram and on Spotify and Anchor and all that. Thank you, guys. Um, you guys mean a lot to us, and we really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. We we all love it. And I think we're going to try and get some pretty cool guests lined up uh, once the offseason rolls around. I've got some ideas in mind for who we can get. Maybe we can get a player or two to come on. That would be, be really, really cool. cool. Who knows? Uh, I was trying to talk over you earlier when you were talking about Iowa and Nebraska. Apologies. That might sound bad on audio, but. Uh, I was trying to give my excuse for not being able to watch this one. I was at the Indiana High School State Championships, the 3A championship. I was covering it. I was on the field. Uh, shout out to my, my school, the Bishop Chicago Trojans, your 2019 3A champions, your 14-time Indiana State champions. Wow. Yeah, and go Trojans. Trojans. Really proud of that team. And I, I, got to, I got the honor of getting to cover them all season. It was a really fun year. It was really fun to get to cover them. Uh, get to know the team a little bit better. And it was a really, really impressive group of guys. And we've got a, one Big Ten connection on the team. Uh, well, there was a guy with Big Ten offers, but he's he's playing at Tulane. Joe Solomon, he's a offensive tackle. He got he had an Indiana offer actually, uh, but he'll be playing at Tulane next year. He's an, he's a, he's a huge guy. He is an awesome tackle. Really, really good player. Uh, and another guy with a, a Big Ten scholarship is uh, our safety, Patrick Mastrian, guy I've gone to school with for years, really, really good football player, even better baseball player. He's playing baseball uh, for the Wolverines, University of Michigan next year. Uh, really proud of him. He did awesome this season. Shout out to him. So uh, really that's it about Iowa and Nebraska. 
except I'm I'm just gonna say it one last time. This isn't a rivalry, folks. This is a forced rivalry. They want you to think this is a rivalry, but it really isn't. Yeah, and I really think that was just part of like a marketing strategy for the Big Ten, trying to make the games like a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if if you're gonna be in the same conference in the same division as someone, I think it's good that you have consistent last week of the season matchup because. Although, you know, Nebraska and Iowa aren't the biggest rivals in the world and they don't really have this really cool hatred for one another that some schools like Ohio State and Michigan or Wisconsin and Minnesota or Indiana and Purdue have, um, it's good to see them consistently playing each other because you see like Michigan State and Penn State just getting screwed every year playing, you know, rotating between uh, uh, Rutgers, Maryland, and the other school. So, um at, at least there's some consistently in the West, consistency in the West, and I, I hope that the Big Ten will see that it's working kind of well and um, try to make Michigan State versus Penn State um, a more regular thing and keep Rutgers and Maryland in their mm-hmm. own sort of um, toilet bowl Roll rivalry. <laughs> yeah, the futility <laughs> bowl. Okay. Uh, let's move into Saturday's games now. So uh, we're going to take a trip to West Lafayette, where the Hoosiers, in double overtime, defeated the Purdue Boilermakers 44-41. And I had about six heart attacks in the second half of this game. This is the Indiana football that I'm used to, folks, except for the fact that the Hoosiers won. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to go through this a little bit. Really, really strong first half from the Hoosiers. Uh, defensively, you held Purdue to 10 points, which – compared to the second half, is really nice. A whole lot of Taiwan Mullen. He had a really, really solid game going against David Bell, who's one of the best receivers in uh, the conference. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about David Bell later because this guy just had a remarkable game against Indiana. As well as Mullen played on him, Bell just... I can't I can't say enough good things about David Bell. And that's coming from an, an Indiana guy. Uh, Fillier, he had a touchdown, I think it was early in the second half, actually. Indiana was up 28-10, which shows you how uh, terrible the collapse ended up being. <laughs> Fillier had a touchdown catch, and he ran down the train doing Purdue's train whistle. Or ran down the train, ran down ran down the field, excuse me, <laughs> doing the Purdue train whistle. I called that, I went on our story, and I called that the best celebration of the weekend. Fillier, uh... He, he saw that. He liked it, I'm sure. Uh, the second half, the Hoosiers had a good old-fashioned IU football collapse, this time to a walk-on quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, who ended up playing well, and a white running back. I can't remember the guy's name right now. Xander. His name was Xander. A white dude named Xander. Not Xander Diamond, the IU football legend who uh, beat Purdue, I think, four years ago and smoked a giant victory cigar afterwards in one of the most iconic photos in IU sports history of him in the locker room with the bucket and the cigar. It's, it's, it's amazing. But those two guys destroyed Indiana in the second half, as did David Bell, who right before halftime made one of the craziest catches I've ever seen. Did you happen to see the David Bell catch yet? Oh, yeah, I did say, yeah, and I, I even put it on our story, a uh, crazy diving uh, catch. <laughs> How did he catch that? If you haven't seen this yet, just just look up David Bell on Twitter. It'll pop up, I'm sure. This is one of the craziest catches I've ever watched. Yeah. Like, this is up there with the Odell catch for me. He slipped, bent backwards. His back's at, like, a 90-degree angle, and he catches it 
Somehow. We need to get like uh, sports science from ESPN. I don't know if they still do that, but we need those guys to take a look at that. Yeah, I cannot believe he caught that. That was an unbelievable play. And credit to Purdue. They played really well in the second half, as much as Indiana's defense kind of fell apart and their offense stalled. Uh, Purdue did play well. And Indiana was without their star running back, Stevie Scott, uh, uh, in the Purdue game. Scott was out with an injury. He'll probably be back for the bowl. Simon Stepniak, I think. No, no, no. Stepniak played. No, it was uh, Bedford. Bedford missed the game. He's another offensive lineman for the Hoosiers to tackle. And uh, the running back for IU, though, was Samson James. He's a five or a four-star, rather, out of Avon, Indiana. Former Ohio State committee, decommitted, flipped to IU. I was really high on him coming into the season. I expected him to split carries with Stevie Scott, but Stevie's gotten most of the touches. Samson played really well. Then he got hurt, and IU's offense was not the same. Yeah, there was a lot of injuries on the Indiana side. Yeah, yeah. It's it really was unfortunate pretty to see. Brutal, pretty brutal game for IU. And the last two games have been Michigan and Purdue. There were a ton of injuries coming in and getting out of the game. But I think there's going to be a lot of time in between the Purdue game and the bowl to be able to get healthy and hopefully bring home that ninth win. Uh, this game went to overtime. Indiana blew a 18-point lead. A lot of a lot of missed kicks. IU actually brought in a backup kicker, Charlie Campbell. And he split the uprights. He got it through. Logan Justice had been one of the best kickers in the country coming into this game. And he missed, I think it was three kicks. Wow. That reminds me of uh, Tyler Durbin in the 2016 Ohio State versus Michigan game. He was yeah, a really reliable kicker for Ohio State. Missed the, a field goal of about 25 yards and another one of uh, something like 35 yards. Um, and, yeah, you know, there was yeah, like four seconds left in the game, and Ohio yeah. State was – it was like fourth and goal or so. And people were thinking, should we, should we even kick the ball? Because he's he hasn't made a single field goal today, and mm-hmm. he's missed two very easy ones. I was yeah. really nervous when Campbell came in. I was. It really. I knew it was time to get to take Justice out, even though Justice had been really good all it's year. It's always hard to have a years, struggling but... kicker in a rivalry game like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I feel bad for for Logan Justice because he had been the man all season long. But Char- Charles Campbell got it done. He did, and the game goes to overtime. Both teams score in their first possession. Then Purdue kicks a field goal the second time around. Which, okay, after the first Purdue touchdown in single overtime, you were watching this game. You were watching through this whole one, right? Uh, it was the same time as the Ohio State Michigan game, so I saw – It was I, after. I tried to no, see as, as much of this as possible. So I did, it's, it was an overtime. Uh, first overtime, Purdue scores, and it's their running back, Xander Horvath. That's his name, right? Horvath. Am I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Um, kind of a funny name. Is that his name? Or am I? Horvath. Yeah, Horvath. Yeah, I'm saying it right. Okay. I don't know if it's Horvath, Horvath. Something like that. He had been torching Indiana all day. He's huge. He's a big white running back. Recipe for disaster, no matter if they're a walk-on or a five-star. Like, there's just always some black magic that they're cooking with, and they can Mm -hmm. 
destroy a defense. I don't know what it is, but it, it happens. Purdue kicked the extra point instead of going for two, and I don't get it because they absolutely would have gotten it. And Indiana was mentally – have the willpower to stop the guy. I don't know why they didn't go for two and win the game. They kicked it. Then they kicked a field goal in their next possession, and Indiana scored a touchdown. Peyton Hendershot got down to the one. Peyton Ramsey ran it in. Hoosiers won the bucket. Crazy finish to the game. Yeah, it was. Uh, about had, like I said, six heart attacks during this game. It was an intense one, to say the least. But, hey, they got it done. Eight and four. Indiana finishes eight and four. I, I can't believe it. Best season since 1993 for the Hoosiers. And wow. they're going to be bowling in a place probably they've never gone before. One of the best bowl games in school history. Who knows what it'll be? We'll find out on Sunday, I guess. And we're, we're going to have our own bowl projections in a little bit. But uh, for Indiana, it was a win is a win is all you got to say. And in a rivalry game like Purdue, anything's possible. And for Purdue, well, you have to be disappointed with a 4-8 and eight finish this season. Especially when your expectations were to do better than they did last year. Like, I remember seeing Rondell Moore this year. One of the big things he was talking about is he's like, well, we got a decent coach. We got um, some momentum from a uh, big upset last year. We got good players, better than what we've had in the past. There's no reason why we shouldn't go 8-4 and four, nine and 9-3 or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. like I was saying, while, while they – should be disappointed with a four and eight record. There's still a little bit of hope going forward for Purdue. And I think after I forget which loss it was in September or October, I said, this team is out of hope and their season is dead. I mean, their season was kind of dead, but hope is, is there again. O'Connell is deserving of a scholarship at this point, And if he doesn't get one, I'd be shocked. David Bell is a legitimate receiving threat not just a threat he is a promise he will deliver that guy unbelievable and he will be a first round talent in the nfl having him and rondale moore next season if Moore is healthy which i think he will be oh boy that that could be dangerous that could be one of the like best receiving duos week, in the country yeah like i said last week having so many injuries to big players. A lot of these younger guys, walk-ons, freshmen, uh, and all those kind of kind of players get a lot of experience in a really good Power 5 conference. That's going to that's gonna serve them well next season. And I think they'll see a big improvement with um, in a, with an improvement in experience and just sort of football IQ. I agree. Indiana and Purdue will both be better next season. I think you need to watch out for both of these schools going forward. The programs have bright futures. Mm-hmm. All right, so the Hoosiers won the Old Oaken Bucket. Next up, uh, we're going to talk about Rutgers. Well, first, Yikes. the first thing we should mention is that Rutgers has a new head football coach, an old head football coach. It is Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano coached the Scarlet Knights uh, about a decade ago. Uh, and then he, I believe his next stop, wasn't that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I think so. I don't know. He Tampa was Bay Bucks, co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Yeah, defensive coordinator, Ohio State, and almost head coach of Tennessee. Yep. Yeah, didn't they hire him for one day and then they fired him, or was it not finalized that they hired him? I don't think it was finalized. Okay. 
whatever it was. It was. I weird. wonder how that would have gone down. Yeah, it was. It was weird. <laughs> I think the word got out. Tennessee fans were mad, and then kind of they just decided against it. Yeah, I think Shiano is better than Pruitt. I don't like Pruitt. Pruitt. Pruitt's got bad bad vibes. Yeah, not not a Pruitt guy. Uh, Penn State beat Rutgers twenty-seven to six. We all thought this game was going to be way worse than it was. Oh yeah, I I had Penn State winning or er, winning by a score of something like sixty-three points or so. Rutgers was up three to zero in this game. People forget. Never forget when Rutgers was up three to nothing. I should have taken a screenshot. I was watching it on my phone. That would have been iconic. That's but... like when Miami of Ohio was up on uh, Ohio State five nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, this game was way closer than anybody expected. Penn State played terribly. This was some of the worst football Penn State's played all year, and yet they still beat Rutgers by 21. That tells you all you need to know about Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, speaking of Rutgers, and like, like we just said with the new coach, talk about a guy who's brought some success to the Rutgers program. Um, back in their Big East days, you know, they were never really the most prestigious team ever. They never had that great of a record. But when Shiano came in, they got a couple ranked wins. And um, their highest AP ranking in his era was number seven. And they finished that season, that 2006 season, 11-2, and two, number 12 in the country mm-hmm. when the season ended. And uh, whenever he first started, Rutgers went 2-9. and nine. Um, By the time he left, they were 9-4 and four team. So, and they got a pinstripe bowl win that year. They, so, they were a consistent bowl team yeah, and, for a long time. Rutgers right now finishing the season two and ten, you know that's just like what happened last time Shiano came in for the first time. So, as much as hope has been out of Piscataway for a long time, um, Rutgers football might uh, be on the come up soon. Like I don't, I don't expect to see immediate success, especially in a Big Ten East that features Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, um, and Indiana, who's recently become a power, and Michigan State, who is sort of like a wild card. You never know if they're going to be good or bad any given year. So. I wouldn't expect um, immediate success, but over time, Rutgers might end up being similar to how uh, Indiana is right now or an Iowa or Minnesota or someone mm-hmm. like that. I wouldn't call Indiana a power. I would call them a good program. Well, I mean, power. well, yeah, but I'm saying well, they're, they're getting more power. I say that as a Hoosier fan, but. Yeah, but I'm saying they're, they're getting more power, and they're starting to become one of the more legitimate teams yeah, in you're the right. Big Ten. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big Ten East. So, if, you know, if that trend continues, they might end up being – they might end up doing uh, kind of what Penn State did. So they had a couple of bad years, but they had one sort of turnaround season, and things have been looking up ever since. Yeah, they could do something similar. What you were saying about how last time you turned them around so quickly, I think it's going to be a lot tougher this time because you're not playing the Big East. You're playing in the Big Ten East. Uh, it's true. Maybe the best division in college football. Definitely the best division in college football, not named the SEC West. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot harder to build a program out of Rutgers, a team that has been in the dumps for the better part of this decade in in the toughest conference maybe in, in the country. It is going to be a challenge, but I'm sure Shiano's up for it. And another interesting thing with this hire, Shiano turned down the Rutgers job like about a week ago, right? Like, Yeah, that's what surprised me most about it. Yeah, because he was asking for the private jet and all these different things, and Rutgers said no, and then suddenly he was their coach. Mm-hmm. And I know this sounds a little contradictory to our 
how much we're annoyed with Rutgers being in the Big Ten and how they don't belong and how they suck and all this, but I want them to be good. I don't. <laughs> I want them to be good because it's number one, it's better for the conference. I want them to be at least like respectable because it doesn't yeah. look it doesn't make the conference look stupid for having them around still. It's true. I mean, they might still look stupid for having them around still just because like they're so out of place in terms of I mean, everything except, like, academics. I won't dog on Rutgers for that. Like, they are far and away a Big Ten academic school. But and in a couple lower sports, they're decent. But in the two main ones, football and men's basketball, they just don't compete. And they are out far out of Big Ten country. Maryland at least has the excuse of basketball. Rutgers, there's no reason. And we, we've well established this, but... You know, a, a decent Rutgers would be good for the Big Ten. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I really don't want to see Rutgers becoming a super successful team. I want them to be, like, slightly better than Vanderbilt at best. Just because – not because, like, I have any, like, super huge real reason to hate Rutgers. It's just I've kind of held a grudge against them for the past few years just because of the embarrassment they've caused the Big Ten and the Big Ten East. Yeah. Remember that one time they beat Michigan? Oh, yeah. Oh, who could forget? Okay, speaking of Michigan. One year they were like halfway decent in their Big Ten era. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Michigan, let's talk about the game. Well, okay, do you want to talk about Penn State first? Is there anything to say about Penn State other than um, that game should have been a blowout, but you didn't blow them out? Maybe I mean, yeah, it's really just such an anticlimactic way to end the season, and I think that's going to hurt them going into, into bowl season because they don't really have – they obviously aren't playing this week. They're not in the Big Ten Championship. They don't really have any momentum. And they're going to have to wait a long time to play in what's probably going to be um, a New Year's Six Bowl for them. So it's like they're going to be playing against a legitimate, really good opponent. And Will it be a New Year's they've, Six they've, Bowl? They're they ending their season with a sloppy loss to Ohio State in the rain on the road and then a low-scoring, boring senior game or senior day game against Rutgers where they didn't win by very much. That's – I don't think it's gonna that's gonna be very good for him. You think Penn State would get into a New Year's Six Bowl? Which one? Well, we'll get to that in our bowl preview. They're, I don't think they would go to the Rose Bowl over Wisconsin. Well, the thing is, I would say that we'll too. Get, we can get into it later. We Except it I, later. I I saw an article recently. Actually, my dad showed me this article. Shout out to my dad. Um, <laughs> and it was saying that the the Rose Bowl if. If Ohio State wins the Big Ten, obviously in the playoff, then they get the choice between Wisconsin and Penn State. They would see Penn State as a more favorable team to have in uh-huh. the Rose Bowl, so they would choose them. Which I, I guess the rule where um, the team who who has gone most recently doesn't go, I guess that's sort of out the window now. I guess it's more up to the bowl themselves to decide. Um, see, I don't like that. Be- Wisconsin beat Minnesota. Minnesota beat Penn State. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's so hard to make arguments like that. It's such a slippery slope with the they beat them and they beat them because, you know, eventually you can – like, last year I did the math and I made an argument that Liberty was better than Ohio State. Like, obviously that goes a lot further than, than a simple I mean, two-team oh, yeah, connection, year, but I think I it's still hard to draw conclusions. I sent this to you, I believe. Did you see the thing where somebody figured out that Marion – Marion is a NAIA school in Indianapolis – has a transitive win over Alabama. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. It's thanks to Butler losing to Taylor, which is, a, I think, D3 or NAIA school in Indiana. 
super small religious place, and Butler is just horrible at football, but different issue. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, tra- transitive wins aren't a great argument, but Penn State, I guess there's a little bit of a cause for concern, but hey, they got it done. But, you know, um, I'll take it, like, whenever the Rose Bowl comes out, I'll take a look at the team's resumes and, like, I'll sit down, crunch the numbers, look at who they've beaten, look at who they've lost to, try to figure it out. But I think Penn State and Wisconsin are pretty equal teams because if if you take away Ohio State's big mistakes in their game against Penn State, they played similar games against those opponents. Um, obviously, they didn't play similarly against Minnesota. Um, but you got to take into account Minnesota's greatest strength is, is their passing offense, and it was a complete blizzard in Minneapolis for that game. So there's that. Um, but I think I think Penn State and Wisconsin, very similar uh, teams in terms of their skill level, and um, you know they should be ranked you know one right next to the other. I think they're they're both obviously they're both ten and two Big Ten teams. Got a lot in common there, and you know they play good football. They they got some elite talent. They got good coaches, so it's really hard to split these two teams apart. Mm-hmm. So I think right. it really just does come down to whichever the Rose Bowl actually prefers. And if that article was right, then that would be Penn State. All right. I wanted to talk about Michigan and Ohio State next, but I want to save that a little bit. I want to talk about Northwestern and Illinois first because what the hell happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I watched this. I was so, so, so confused. First off, congratulations, Northwestern. Not only did you win a conference game, but you also got Mick McCall fired. Nice. The bad man is gone. You can have an offense now, possibly. Maybe that five-star quarterback of yours, Hunter Johnson, can get to do something. Fingers crossed. I want to believe. Good luck. Anyway, you beat Illinois. And how? Illinois was so, like, hot coming into this, and they had won a bunch of games, and they were bowl eligible already. They could get a winning record. Northwestern was ice cold. They couldn't score. They went a month without scoring a touchdown. And they beat Illinois by 19. I know anything's possible in a rivalry, but, like, what? How? How'd this happen? I mean, that's such a hard (laughs) – wow, I can't speak. That's a hard question to answer because, um, as we've seen, Northwestern, obviously – their offense is not their strong suit. They have a good defense. I believe it's in the. I believe it's about number forty or so. I know it's top fifty in the country um, throughout the whole season. And their offense is way way back uh, in total FBS offensive ranks. So, I mean, maybe it's the whole McCall getting fired. Maybe it's part. Maybe part of it's a rivalry game. Maybe, maybe Illinois just since they didn't really have a lot to play for, they figured, oh, Northwestern's an easy opponent. We are. You there? It's hard to say, but yeah, that was one of the most surprising games of this round. Oh, yeah. yeah. Your audio cut out for a little bit there, but uh, the message is still there. It's a shocker. Uh, for real. Uh, one other point with this is uh, Northwestern. At the beginning of the season, if you showed me this stat and told me Northwestern is going to beat Illinois by 19, I'd say, yeah, okay, I buy that. That's the funny part is that these teams have had, like I said in my preview, opposite traje- trajectories to what we expected. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. 
we really expected Northwestern to be the bowl eligible team coming into this and Illinois to be the three win, two win team coming into this. But except for Griffin, he had Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah, Griffin at Griffin. Or Griffin did he have him dead last? Northwestern. No, he did because he had him at two and ten. He had him dead last. Yeah. Hats off to yeah, Griffin. He was way wrong. Or he was way right. Yeah. Congrats to him. I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong in the man, Nebraska. By the way, Griffin did um, get the most. He did have the best record in our picks for the whole season. So, congratulations, Mr. Griffin. Healy. Yeah. You won the first Griffin. 10 prediction trophy. Most correct prediction. What weird Big Ten we trophy, trophy name are we going to give that? Oh, we need, we need like a fun trophy. <laughs> like a fun traveling. Like... Some, some, it's got to have a weird Big Ten name, like the battle for the wooden brain or something like that. What about the the battle for the governor's crystal ball? The plastic cup. <laughs> That's a good one. The 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 Buffalooey cup. Yes, the Buffalooey cup. There it is. Yeah, we've done it, folks. And thus, a trophy was born. Uh, New Jersey. He's probably got one, doesn't he? I think he has. He one. might. I don't. I don't know if he went there. I didn't. I didn't go with him. I know that, but I'm not. He might have gone. I didn't go with him either. I went with uh, some other people. Did I go with you? No, I went uh, after after it ended. I went. Oh, I went. Own. I went before with with my my dad and one of my sisters. But oh, okay. I went during on like Boneless Wednesday or something. Oh yeah. Me and my roommate Colin. We went when we were at IU over the summer. Peter if you Colin. aren't following. Yeah, Gator Colin. He's from uh, Tampa Bay. I forget where exactly. Sarasota, I believe. Greater Tampa. Uh, yeah, if you weren't following along, uh, we were we were at IU over the summer. That's how we all met, and we were telling some stories of that. Our time at Buffaloes. We gotta have Gator Colin on the podcast for bowl season because he's the king of hot takes. He didn't respond to our texts. Really? I, I think I texted him at some point. We got to reach out to him again because I remember his hot takes about Golden State missing the playoff this year. He was right about that. But yeah, Golden he's State's horrible. I mean, everybody's hurt. But... Wow. Yeah. Maybe he can see into the future and he can't share his power with us or something. I don't know. Maybe. It's... What'd you say? <laughs> Maybe he transferred some of that power to Griffin. Oh, yeah. You know, he won the so. Buffalo East Cup. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, Griffin won. Most correct predictions, least appearances on the show. <laughs> well, you can't win them all, Griffin, but congrats on winning this. Small victories. Okay. Put that on the college resume. Yeah, put that on your resume. Do it. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Michigan and Ohio State. This was a huge game, obviously. And uh, Ohio State won big, like most of us expected. 56-27, just utter, utter domination. The Ohio chant was going in the big house. And this week, twice, Ohio State, Ohio State basketball and Ohio State football, twice Ohio State sports teams have gone on the road to highly ranked opponents, won by 25-plus points, and gotten the Ohio chant started. They beat North Carolina in basketball last night. They beat Michigan in football on Saturday. 
What a week. I what was a week not expecting that Ohio State team to play as well as they are in basketball right now because – I was. I called it. I called you it. You did. You I, said I, Final I Four sleeper. But, um, I called them a Final Four sleeper. Now they're a Final Four favorite. The, the, the only good. reason, honestly, I didn't see it coming is just because Ohio State basketball I'm, – I'm not as into Ohio State basketball as I am Ohio State football, but I know I've had expectations for them before and they've hurt me. And anytime – like last year, Ohio State was ranked highly in the beginning of the season. And at one point, ESPN came out with this new ranking system – and Ohio State was number one in the first ever um, iteration. Oh, I remember of it. that was. That and we know how that season ended last year. They the net were, rankings, yeah. yeah. The, the NCAA had that. They yeah. were an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament, beat Iowa State in the first round, but lost to Houston in the second. And I just, I, I hate having expectations for Ohio State basketball because they always let me down. So I was pleasantly surprised. And um, out of the four major sports, that is, um, or the, like the four major sports that are like professionally like um, football, men's basketball, men's hockey, and men's baseball. Ohio State is a top 10 team in three out of those four sports. They're number one mm. in football, uh, according to the college football playoff rankings, according to the most recent AP poll, which is likely to change in, in, the, in the coming days. Ohio State's number six. They're going up, yeah. And in hockey, Ohio State is, I want to say, eight. They're somewhere up high. I'm going to check right now. But, um, Ohio State Athletics is doing very well. They're the number seven in hockey. So number one football, number six basketball, number seven in hockey. Mm-hmm. And in baseball, they were eliminated in the Vanderbilt Regional by the Indiana State Sycamores. I went to that, or I didn't go to that game specifically, but I did go to their game against McNeese State. Went into about 13 innings. It's crazy. Wow. Ohio State won the won the Big Ten tournament in baseball last year. So They did, so yeah. Too. Indiana won the regular season in baseball. And Michigan had the farthest tournament finish of them all. Not they to got flex all or the way anything, to but both of our Lost to your Vanderbilt Commodores. Shout out to the Vandy boys. Getting oh, yeah. done in the World Series. The one Vandy, Vandy let me down by beating Ohio State in their uh, first game, but then they, they made up for it by beating Michigan in the final. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, this game was just almost comical in how – typical Harbaugh versus Ohio State it was. Yeah. Like, this was the amalgamation of every Ohio State-Michigan game this decade, and it was kind of, like I said, hilarious. It's just perfect. If you're an Ohio State fan, if you're a Michigan fan, it's perfectly, ironically terrible in every single possible way. I know this game is a huge deal to Michigan. I know losing this game is, like, the worst thing ever, but this wasn't a, a an all bad game for Michigan because um, in the first half they played well. The, the The score at the end of the half, Ohio State was up twelve. But let's not forget that without a fumble for Michigan inside Ohio State's territory, and without an offside on a Ohio State punt that led to a first down for Ohio State and, a, and eventually a touchdown for Ohio State, without that that Ohio State doesn't score two touchdowns and Michigan has the lead going into half. So there's that. They played a very good first half. Their offense was going. They were moving the ball against the number one defense in the country. Um, so Michigan really didn't have a bad game. It was really just eventually Ohio State made better play calls. And they just played smoother football. And it's just another testament to, to the fact that it's so hard once Ohio State gets a lead to hold them back. And even in the beginning of the game, once uh, once Ohio State uh, took their 14-6 to lead – it, it was really it was really hard to stop Ohio State after that. And, you know, once the second half started, it just sort of took off. 
A lot of uh, good play from Garrett Wilson. want to shout him out. He had a really good game. Although he muffed the punt, he had um, two huge receptions and one really good touchdown reception. On, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On a play from Justin Fields really right after good. he came out, was, back from the field. That was him. From yeah. injury. Yeah, and that Justin Fields injury, that was scary. I thought when I watched him go down, I was like, title hopes are dead. They, they are dashed. And then he came in, he threw a touchdown, and I'm like, yeah, the this guy's legit. <laughs> this guy yep. is legit. And, you know, one more thing about Michigan. We can't forget that when they played Notre Dame, who they're not a New York, uh, New York Six team, but they're they're up there. They're a really good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they play football really well. Fine. Uh, they took them to the woodshed, beat them by 31 points. Oh, that was so beautiful. let's not forget, was, Michigan is still a really good team, and they can get a good bowl win. I don't think the New Year's Six is going to happen just because there's a lot of other uh, good teams this year. And a lot of the at-large bowl games are – or not a lot, but like two of the more at-large bowl games, which are the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, are both playoff games this year. So a lot of the other New Year's Six games involve tie-ins. So the New Year's Six is not super likely for them, but uh, they're still going to go to a really good bowl game, and they could get a, get a win unless it's against Alabama, in my opinion. By the way, that Notre Dame Michigan game you're talking about, that was, that was, I love that. And I'm not a Michigan fan, but I don't like Notre Dame mostly because there are so many Notre Dame fans in Indianapolis that always have these unreasonable expectations about how good Notre Dame football is and how good the program is. Like, it's, it's not the 80s anymore. And I know I say that as an Indiana basketball fan and how ironic <laughs> that sounds, but I'm a little more realistic with Indiana basketball and not thinking that they're going to be able to compete for national championships for a little bit. I think it's going to take time, but there's some unreasonable Notre Dame football fans and watching them just get, get beat up so badly to a team. They were like, Oh, Michigan's not even that good. And hearing that for a week, I bought into it and I picked Notre Dame, but Oh, that was funny. It was funny. Mm-hmm. Including uh, Tommy Devine, my cousin. He is an unreasonable Notre Dame fan. He's a reversible jacket Notre Dame Purdue fan. Which, by the way, people in Indiana like to make fun of people who cheer for IU as also cheering for Notre Dame football. They say, "Oh, you cheer for IU basketball, Notre Dame football. You're a bandwagon," which is true. You are a bandwagon if you do that. But I mean, hey, gotta do what you gotta do. And uh, there are Purdue Notre Dame bandwagoners. They exist, Purdue fans. It is not IU fans who are all doing it. That is a very, very specific rant, and I'm sorry if you don't get it or don't care. Leave a dislike on, on this show, please, if, if that triggered you. I don't know. Uh, one last thing on this game. Chase Young, where was he? Well, where he was. not too biased but there were a couple plays where he was getting held back but honestly a lot of the reason that Chase Young didn't put up good numbers was really just a result of good play from Shea Patterson because a lot of times or not a lot of times but there were multiple times this game where Chase Young got past the Michigan O-line and he was rushing Patterson and Patterson made throws uh out of bounds and he he's he 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 was playing with a lot of awareness um and he knew when Chase Young was right there he's got to get rid of the ball and so he and the Michigan offensive line, I got to give them credit too. They did limit Chase Young pretty well. So I think Chase Young didn't have an awful game. And I, I think the, the stats sort of reflect that he did. But uh, I think it was really just 
more of a result of Michigan really playing the best they could against um, one of the most uh, or the most talented and physical players in college football. Yeah, yeah. Michigan, credit to them. They held Chase Young back quite literally. I agree. He was getting <laughs> held a whole lot, but uh, Michigan, they're going to go to a decent bowl. They're nine and three. We can talk about that later, but Ohio State, they are going to the Big Ten Championship. And we were considering previewing the Big Ten Championship on this episode, but we're going a little long, so I think we're going to save all of our Big Ten Championship coverage for when we're together on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to be – Reed's coming up here to Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship, Ohio State and Wisconsin. Uh, We're going to go to the game, catch up before – it's going to be a great time. I'm really excited. First college football game I've gone to all year. Uh, I've never actually been to a college game. Uh, no, I've been to a college game at Lucas Oil. I went to Notre Dame-Purdue about five years ago. But I've not been to the Big Ten Championship before. And I can't wait to be back in 2020 when the Hoosiers are there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had to laugh. But what can you do? I, I can dream. I can dream. Yes, you can. I mean, I mean, Minnesota almost made it this season, so you never know. Anything is possible, you I guess. You never know what can happen in the Big Ten. Yeah, Minnesota, they almost made it, but they didn't. And we're going to talk I'm about disappointed that right now. They missed it. I'm glad I don't have to root against them. Minnesota lost to Wisconsin. Yeah, it would have it sucked for you to have to root against Minnesota. You can root against Wisconsin. And we're going to have plenty of coverage for that on Saturday. It's going to be on our YouTube. It's going to be on our Instagram, our IGTV. Uh, we're going to have coverage all over Indianapolis, downtown mostly. I don't think we're going to be able to make it anywhere else in the city, but we're going to be downtown Indianapolis all day, previewing the game, checking out the city, going to the game. I'm excited. I got my Ohio State shirt in the mail. Well, not an Ohio State shirt, I guess, but a Club Trillion Mark Titus t-shirt. Shout out to Titus and Tate podcast. It's back. Uh, I'm really excited for this game. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's our, and hey, if IU is in Nashville in a couple weeks, I might be down there for it. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, sure. All right. Wisconsin, Minnesota, like I was saying. What, what a collapse in the second half of this game for Minnesota. This was this hurt to watch. This you could feel their dreams just slipping away. Yeah. Like that crowd that was rushing the field against Penn State. It was it was dead in that third quarter when Wisconsin went on that scoring run and I think it was uh who scored the, the third quarter touchdown? Uh I can't remember who scored it off the top of my head, but there was a touchdown that put Wisconsin up by, I think, two or three scores, and you you could hear a pin drop in that stadium. It was, it was dead, and it was snowing, and it was, it was the worst Minnesota footballs looked all year. Yeah, well, actually, I would say that's. 
they've looked pretty bad in the beginning of the season. They almost okay, 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 Southern. Okay. Yeah, that Fresno almost State game, I think, was worse. Never mind. Never mind. Fresno State. Fresno State or I would say it's the worst they've looked. Played South Dakota. South Dakota State. I would say it's the worst they've looked in the Big Ten season. Unless you want to count that this Purdue Minnesota. game. The worst Minnesota's looked since I've considered them, like, legit. Yeah. Uh, this this was a crushing loss for Minnesota. They, as much faith as I have in P.J. Fleck in this program going forward, this really was a once-in-a-lifetime season, and they lost that opportunity to get to go to the Big Ten title game. Albeit an opportunity to probably get smacked by Ohio State, but it still sucks, and they would have loved to go, and I'm sure they would have had a great turnout in Indianapolis. I bet it would be a lot of, lot of like what Northwestern is hotel there. rooms in Indianapolis right now. I can guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for Wisconsin, uh, what a turnaround! Wisconsin has looked good and bad this year, like kind of on a dime. You, you you just don't know. Like when they look good, they look amazing. And they look bad. They're losing to Illinois and getting smoked by Ohio State. But, hey, Ohio State is just good enough to beat up on anybody. And that Illinois game, I almost feel like, was a fluke. Yeah, I mean, it's a fluke in some senses. And, that you know, obviously Wisconsin's a better team than Illinois. But Illinois earned that win. So Illinois you know, did earn that win. We're not going to take any away from them. One thing we forget about that game is that Wisconsin literally never trailed for a second of game time. Yeah. Wisconsin led the entire game, and then Illinois kicked a field goal with zero seconds remaining and won the game. And credit to Illinois for winning. That was an awesome game to watch. But Wisconsin, you can't knock them, really, for for that loss. Uh, I you think. can't knock them, I think. You can't, okay, fine. You can't knock them, but the loss isn't as terrible as – say one of Ohio State's losses to Purdue or Iowa in the last oh, few years. No way. Yeah. I mean a one point loss and a twenty nine point loss are very different things. Yeah. So I would I would say this is still a successful season for Wisconsin, especially given expectations were lower after last season's disappointment. Yeah. So getting to Indianapolis, getting to the Big Ten championship, getting a second crack at Ohio State is huge for this program and Credit to Wisconsin. I was really high on them at one point this season. I was thinking playoffs, maybe. You know, before they played Ohio State. Remember how confident we were in Wisconsin back in like September? And yeah, and I was looking at Wisconsin's um, resume. You know, their whole thing in the beginning of the season was, oh, they've given up zero points through uh, two weeks. They've given up, you know, so many like they've given up fourteen points through three weeks. That's crazy, and they. They gave up very few points against a lot of teams. And then I was looking at the resume and I was thinking, well, they gave away 14 to Michigan, which is pretty good. They gave away 15 against Northwestern, which is not the best. But they held Kent State, Michigan State, South Florida, and Central Michigan all winless. And once the Illinois game went, sort of all that went out the window and they gave up high amounts of points. They gave up no fewer than 24 points for the entire rest of the season. I was just thinking, what happened in this defense? But I think a lot of that really just – came from not really playing very many good teams at the beginning of the season. I sort of brushed aside the whole haven't played anyone argument because I figured, well, yeah, South Florida and Central Michigan aren't great teams, but they shut them out. They went on the road to South Florida um, to open the season. They had a really good game. They embarrassed Michigan. Um, They just had sort of a rough week against Northwestern, and then they embarrassed Kent State and Michigan State. So I sort of said, well, they did about as well as they could have. 
But as I started to play some legitimate opponents, and even teams with bad offenses like Iowa, they don't have a very impressive offense, and they gave up 22 points to them. I really think it was just – I think one of the reasons we were so high on Wisconsin early in the season, they just didn't have a very good resume. Or they didn't really have a very tough schedule. And I think – I didn't really realize that, and I don't know if you were Griffin did either. But um, they kind of had a soft schedule. And if, if you look at their last six games of the season, their second half, they gave up 24 points, 38 points, 24 points. Or no, I actually I, – I gave a stat bad. I said that um, – I said they hadn't the, – the minimum amount of points they gave up was 24. It was actually 17 because they gave up 17 to Minnesota and 21 to Nebraska. But still, they gave up double-digit points in every game in the second half of the season. So it's, it was sort of interesting to look at the downfall of that Wisconsin defense or at least the perception of it um, by a lot of fans and analysts throughout the nation. Yeah, and Wisconsin – uh, their defense was their big selling point earlier in the season, plus Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor has been impressive all year long. And you're right, the defense has fallen off a little bit. Although, using the metric of double-digit point games, I mean, you got to think that's a good thing. It's a good sign that you even have that to be able to compare to and you're not giving up. And that it was – what am I saying? And that it was normal for you to not give up 10 points a game at one point this year. That is wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Wisconsin, they've got Rose Bowl hopes, even with a possible loss to Ohio State. Who knows? Yeah, this uh, is sort of like still... in 2013. I remember it was the Big Ten Championship. It was Michigan State versus Ohio State. And I saw before the game, they were doing their little like photo shoot and video shoot, and they were giving a little talk to like the TV. And Michigan State, all their players were saying, our goal is the Rose Bowl or something. But at that point, Michigan State had already guaranteed a spot in the Rose Bowl because if Ohio State won, they were going to the title game, and Michigan State would get in by default. And if they lost, or if Michigan State won, then it would be going, you know, because they're the Big Ten champion. So it was kind of funny. Wisconsin sort of has a similar deal where they're uh, – if they win the game, they're obviously guaranteed to go. And if they don't win, they got about a 50 shot. It's just sort of like an interesting kind of uh, – That's really funny. I guess that's, stack, that clip sounds kind of a really stack kind of thing. Kind of not. Like they are locked into the Rose Bowl. That's uh, our goal is the Rose Bowl. I'm like, hey, congrats! You're you're showing up. You get a free all expense paid trip to the Big Ten title to say hi to yeah. Ohio State. Oh, we still have a game to talk about. We have to talk about Maryland and Michigan State. Okay, this will be quick. I wish we didn't. I'm sorry. Maryland played well. Michigan State. Maryland played well by Maryland standards. Michigan State continued to play bad. Playing well by Maryland standards isn't enough. Michigan State won by three in an offensive, offensive game. I am sorry to anybody who actually sat through this one. I sat through it for as long as I could, and I decided I don't like watching torture. That game looked like torture to all six people in Spartan Stadium. Yeah. Like I, but, I, Michigan State's going bowling. Yeah, one one cool thing about the game State was uh, just wanted to end. They want it to be over with. Yeah, one cool thing about that stadium or that game, uh, you guys, uh, you, you may have seen um, on Instagram or Twitter a video of one of the players who um, who um, 
his his parents had passed away in his time playing in Michigan State, so we had ah, his two dogs go on the field. His dogs. Him. That was that was really cool. That, to see. I forgot about that. That was awesome. That was that was one of the coolest things I've seen in, in all year. That's why sports are so great, folks. Yeah, that was cool. I really appreciated that. Hats off to him. What what a kid. Uh, Michigan State's going bowling. We're gonna do our bowl projections now. Uh, we've planned out our bowl projections. We're going to talk a little bit about each of them. The Big Ten is sending nine teams bowling this year, which is, is pretty impressive, and it shows you just how deep this conference is. So this year in bowls, we have Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Minnesota, Michigan, Iowa, IU, Illinois, and MSU. Yeah, you want to just go so, on and give each give our predictions for each team, starting with Ohio State. Start from the bottom or start from the top. What do you think? Um, you know, let's start from the bottom so we can stay started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah, start from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> Don't sue us, Drake. Is that is that fair? God, by the end of this year, we need to have a little compilation of you singing on the podcast. We've had some great moments. Oh, oh. I need the Patrick Christmas album. <laughs> For the right price. I want to see the Patrick Patrick Feltz and Tommy Devine Christmas album. I want to be playing that um, the right price on the we'll Hawaii during the yeah. Hawaii Bowl. We'll create a, a musical duo and oh the Hawaii Bowl this year. BYU and Hawaii. Oh, for real? Hawaii got announced to it? It's already it's already guaranteed. Tommy Tommy texted me the other day and he said, Hey, BYU versus Hawaii on Christmas Eve and I said that is going to be a classic. That sounds like a fun one. Well, I mean, and I also, think that yeah, Hawaii is always cool. there because it's their home stadium. But like, mm-hmm. they still got the Mountain West Championship to play for, so I don't think that's locked in, is it? Oh, I don't know if they have a tie-in though. I mean, they might rather play in the Hawaii Bowl than anywhere I think else. they probably they would, would but like, attendance. yeah, it's still technically to be determined. I think it's extremely oh, it likely is. for it to be BYU versus Hawaii, but it's still BYU versus TBD. Because if Hawaii wins mm. the Mountain West, they'll go to – I forget what, what the best Mountain West Bowl, but it, I think it might be the New Mexico Bowl. Um, no, no, the best one is the yeah, Las Vegas would, Bowl. I'd rather go to the Hawaii Bowl. Oh, I would that, too, but Hawaii. I think the champion – If I think if the Mountain West champion isn't uh, playing in their uh, – in the New Year's Six as the best group of five team, they go to Las Vegas. Man, Boise State deserves better than the Las Vegas Bowl. Yeah, but um, whatever though. Uh, one more thing. I-, I forgot to talk about this when we were talking about Maryland. Remember earlier in the season when Maryland was like ranked, had hope. Yeah, yeah. When Maryland was ranked and had hope, and and I said I will buy a Mar-, and I was like yeah, I don't know if I buy. It. I will buy a Maryland T-shirt if Maryland finishes with more wins than Indiana. Yeah, look how that turned out. There's still a post on our Instagram account that one of you guys put up. I think it was, that was you, me, yeah. who said a picture of a Maryland T-shirt and said, "At Patrick Phelps, this one look good." And I said, "I want one with the state flag design." <laughs> Guess he was not buying a Maryland shirt anytime soon. Good for you. Called it. Called it. Yeah. Uh, but hey, Maryland basketball. Different story. What a win last night over Notre Dame. That was impressive. I was. I, I think Maryland and. Ohio State both have really good basketball teams. Michigan State, too. And Purdue beat Virginia by 29. I mean, Virginia has the 312th best offense in the country, but 
still impressive win for Purdue and Indiana Hoosiers beat uh, Florida State, who was ranked. Hoosiers are undefeated now. Big, or big, uh, big couple of games for the Big Ten versus eight in the Big Ten versus ACC yeah, challenge. We, Big Ten's just lost like that in football. For a while. Yeah, Big Ten won the Big Ten ACC challenge again. Just like in football, the Big Ten's the deepest conference in basketball. I mean, what can you expect, right? Mm-hmm. And so I guess I will be watching Wisconsin play two games this Saturday. They're playing Indiana and basketball at uh, Cole Center, a place the Hoosiers have not won in like 20 years. So uh, I'm not cheering for Ohio State, and I'm not cheering against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. I guess I am in the Ohio State section, and I'll be wearing an Ohio State shirt, so just to blend in. <laughs> but I'm not really cheering for anybody. I'm going for the experience. But you could say that I am cheering against Wisconsin twice on Saturday, technically. Yeah. In, in all technicalities. I'm definitely cheering against them when they play Indiana in basketball, though. I'll say that much. Anyway, let's get into our bowl projections. We're going to start from the bottom. We're going to start with Michigan State. I said they are staying in the state of Michigan, and they will be in the Quick Lane Bowl against Florida State. What would you say? Um, I actually said the exact same thing because I was thinking um, it'd be really cool to see, uh, you know, two teams who are typically pretty powerful – who had who've had rough uh rough go out of the past couple of years. Um so yeah, I I had the exact same thing written on my sheet, but I think they could play another um ACC opponent because the ACC has a lot of uh a lot of mediocre teams. I could see like maybe Boston College sliding in there. Um Miami. Maybe Miami, yeah. Um yeah, I was I'm, maybe Pitt too. I don't know. Pitt, Pitt might yeah, be too Pitt good for Michigan. Well. I think Pitt would would be too good for Michigan State. I, yeah, you're probably right about that. I think you got to put in a team who's really. I think Florida State or Miami yeah, would be Pitt, a perfect Pitt's fit. For them. Pitt's what, like seven and five? Well, Pitt lost to Boston College this week. It's true, they did. Yeah. Speaking of Boston College, my next game, Illinois. I have them in the pinstripe bowl against Boston College in the Bronx. That would be cool to see. Um, so yeah, for this year, we got three bowls that are like seven and five slash six and six teams. Those are the Quick Lane Bowl, the Red Box Bowl, and the Pinstripe Bowl. So, so the Big Ten, uh, they don't have enough teams to fill all those. So I think, unfortunately, it's the Pinstripe Bowl that the Big Ten's not going to fill. I have Illinois playing in the Red Box Bowl against either Cal or Washington State. And there's kind of pros and cons for each of those matchups. I think for Cal, uh, it's a pro because obviously Cal plays in California. They might draw um, a better crowd than Washington State. But the problem with that is I could it could very easily be another repeat of the Red Box Bowl last year, which is infamous for being one of the worst and best bowl games at the same time. It featured about eight or nine interceptions. I think the final score was something like nine to six after um, multiple overtimes. And the reason for that is both of these teams, Illinois, uh, as like right now, they have the number 119 offense in the FBS and California has the number 117 offense. So it would really just be a defensive sort of, matchup just like that cheese bowl wait, wait did, I, did i say cheese bowl or did i say something else you said cheese bowl okay yeah okay. I, know, I just I, I thought i said something but anyway yeah if it could be similar to that cheese bowl and i think washington state would be the other team i want to see washington state um and the reason for that is it'd be sort of interesting to see how these teams these two teams match up because like i said earlier the fighting line i have the number one 119 offense in the fbs and washington state has the number 113 defense in the fbs uh, meanwhile, Washington State has one of the best offenses, as they usually do, and Illinois' defense is 
okay, but we've seen how they can perform against big teams like they did against Wisconsin. So I think it'd be interesting to see, to give that Washington State defense or that Illinois offense a chance to shine um, and really sort of spotlight a unit that hasn't really been getting a lot of that. So so my official pick is going to be Illinois versus the Washington State Cougars. Okay. All right. So next up we've got Indiana, and I have Indiana in the Music City Bowl against Kentucky. I would like to see that one. That would be really cool. That's mostly wishful thinking on my part. I really want I really want that game to happen. I would totally try and go to it. I have uh in this one sort of like not necessarily a dream matchup, but like you know, one that I would really like to see would be Indiana versus Tennessee. And um the reason for that is I think Indiana would win, so it'd be kinda awesome for me to see one of my least favorite teams get beaten by a team who I kinda like in the Hoosiers. But also, Indiana and Tennessee would be a, a great matchup of Power 5 teams who are good but not great. And also, their FBS offensive and defensive ratings suggest they're better teams than they are. Because Indiana right now, they sit with uh, some pretty impressive numbers with the number 38 defense and the number 34 offense. And Tennessee, they're number 29 on defense and 100 on offense. So you wouldn't really expect that from 7-5 and five Tennessee, and you certainly wouldn't expect that from 8-4 and four Indiana to have uh, units ranked that high, so I think it'd be kind of an interesting matchup. I think they 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 would match up well, and I think that would end up being um, about a three or seven point game. That would end up in the Hoosiers' favor. Yeah, and I would hope so. I would traveling for that Tennessee game would be a lot harder. Number one, because the tickets would be more expensive because Tennessee is, you know, uber popular and a local team at that. And number two, it would be a sea of orange with a few specks of. Uh, cream and crimson and uh, being in the Indiana section for that would be uh, probably a, a small, small handful of Hoosier fans. Even See, if I think I could the thing with that, though, is um, the thing about the whole big Tennessee crowd is I think Indiana will win. And I would love for there to be a huge crowd of disappointed Tennessee fans because I love seeing frowns on the faces of uh, the orange and white clad balls uh, fans. So that would be kind of awesome for me if there was a huge UT crowd and UT loses. Yeah, it would be kind of funny. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Okay, next up, Iowa. I have Iowa. I I flipped a little bit on this. And Iowa, Minnesota, and Michigan are all kind of in the same sort of limbo with me with where they could go bowling. I, I have Iowa in the holiday against USC. Yeah, I got but, Iowa. But like, I'm not sure. There's, I got Iowa playing in the there's same. There's some spots I can flip. I got Iowa in the same bowl game facing the Washington Huskies. And I would have them against USC. I think USC would be a better matchup. But I can't have that, and I'll explain that in a minute because I don't want to spoil one of my other picks. Is there anything to think about? Like, I mean, Iowa seems likely to, for a holiday. It makes sense. It's about their record. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think about like the the problem with Iowa facing a, a Pac-12 team. This sort of game, like Iowa, I don't have anything against Iowa. They're just boring. Yeah, it, the problem with Iowa facing a team like this, um, or you know, a Pac-12 team is that no matter what, they're going to have the better record because they can't go to the Rose Bowl and face Utah or Oregon. And there's no nine to three teams in the Pac-12. It, it's assuming Utah beats Oregon. 
It's going to be 12 and 1 Utah. And then it's going to be what? what is it? It's to be 10 and 3 Oregon. And then it would be 8. Um, and then it would be 8 and 4 USC. So it's like, it's kind of a drop off between the the good and the mediocre in the Pac 12. So that's not really great because there's a lot of, there's a, well, not, not a lot, but there's a seemingly high number of Big Ten versus Pac 12 bowl games. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, next team, Michigan Wolverines. I have Michigan in the Citrus Bowl against Florida. They play in, Michigan and Florida play in bowl games basically every single year. Yeah. And I think it would just be too funny if it continued again. And the Citrus seems like a good location for it. Yeah, I kind of hate that. Like I've so far we've put every team in the exact same bowl game that continues here with the Citrus Bowl. But I have a different opponent for them. I have the Alabama Crimson Tide, which would really suck for me. This is like the worst matchup. And I would have to root for Michigan in this one because of the Big Ten. So I hate Ooh. that. And no, also, you, you would not root for Michigan. I, I doubt that. You would you say that now. Then really, you would the only reason you would be watching the game and you would see Michigan get crushed and you would start laughing. Yeah. I can picture it. I, I think you know yourself. Come on. Yeah. Um, I think that this is a better matchup than if Alabama would go to the New Year's Six. I think they would, I think most Alabama fans surprisingly would be happier if they didn't make the New Year's Six because if they did, they would either be facing Virginia in the Orange Bowl, which no one wants to see because that would be a boring blowout matchup, or it would be Boise State slash Memphis in the Cotton Bowl, which again, it'd be a, I would assume it'd be a blowout in the favor of Alabama and it'd be boring. So I think Alabama would still beat Michigan by about 10 to 17 or so, but I think it'd be a more exciting game and Michigan would hold on for longer than some of these other teams would. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Uh, Minnesota. I don't know where to put Minnesota. I, I have a question mark here. I I cannot. I'm drawing blanks on Minnesota. Where do you have Minnesota? I got them in the Outback Bowl playing against the Auburn Tigers. I think okay. playing against Auburn is a really good fit for them because they're both teams who are very good. Uh, they play in good conferences, um, but they kind of got um, – they kind of got screwed a little bit because they had to face some pretty good teams, and they they each have they each have some good wins. Like Auburn beat Oregon; it's a pretty good win, even though it was Week One. And uh, Minnesota beat Penn State. They both proved how they can play well against good teams, but they're just not Auburn quite the caliber yet. So I think that's a really good matchup in the Outback Bowl. It's not a super great bowl; like it's not bad, but it's not the most prestigious thing ever either. So I don't think it really accurately represents either of these teams, but the Big Ten and the SEC were so stacked this year. Um, these kind of happen. And that's why I have a hard time picking these bowls because I, I actually have Penn State in that exact matchup versus Auburn in the Outback Bowl. We, we didn't even talk about these before. We didn't compare our, our projections much, but uh, I, I have Penn State and Auburn in that bowl, and I couldn't find a fit for Minnesota. Like maybe there's a way that, just because of how deep the Big Ten is, that Penn State slides up into a New Year's Six slot of some kind, and then Minnesota takes the Outback Bowl, which I could see happening. I would. I what I really like, don't want to see. Is, what I really don't want to see is that Minnesota making the Holiday Bowl, other than, playing, you know, bad team. Okay, like Washington. If where do you think Minnesota could slot if Penn State? 
doesn't get a near six bed. This is why I think Penn State is, think is going Penn to get State, one. Well, first, they kind of have to. Do you th- hold up. First, do you think Penn State would get a New Year's six bid above Minnesota? Even though yes. they beat them. Yes. I, uh, I guess I'll kind of have to reveal my pick here, but I have Penn State playing in the Rose Bowl against the Oregon Ducks. Hmm. Like I, like I talked about earlier with the whole uh, Rose Bowl preferring Penn State to Wisconsin. That's why I have them there because it's kind of a toss-up, sort of coin toss between Wisconsin and Penn State. But I have Penn State playing in Pasadena. And I have Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl against Utah. But And I guess we have to kind of reveal that just so it doesn't all get convoluted. But say, okay, in my potential situation, say Penn State does not – and I guess, yeah, Penn State would have to slot in above Minnesota just because they have better wins, even though Minnesota did beat them, lest we forget. Uh, say Minnesota, they, they are going bowling, obviously, but where would they go if Penn State takes the Outback Bowl, Wisconsin takes the Rose Bowl, if Penn State can't get into the New Year's Six? Where, where would Minnesota fit? See, this is what I was saying earlier, why it's so hard, because like, then they would they would probably have to play – Against Washington or USC in the Holiday Bowl, which I don't think would go well. I think especially would go bad if they played Washington. I think they would beat them pretty convincingly. I think USC is decent. Is I I do agree. Minnesota would beat them. And Minnesota's just on a different level than Minnesota's on a different level than uh, most Pac-12. Like apart from Oregon and Utah, they're on a different level than the entire Pac-12. So it's just it's really unfortunate the way. I mean, the Pac-12 kind of would be screwing them here for having such a bad season. You know, they they looked really good early because they had like five ranked teams, just from Cal beating Washington and people thinking Washington was good. But yeah, they had a rough year uh, uh, out in the Pacific, and that's really unfortunate for some of these Big Ten bowl bids. I I really don't know where I can see Minnesota slotting in. Maybe there's a way that Penn State gets to an Orange Bowl, Wisconsin gets the Rose Bowl, and then Minnesota takes the Outback. Well. The reason – well, this will sort of transition me into where I have Wisconsin. But the reason I have um, Minnesota available for the Outback Bowl is because I have three New Year's Six Big Ten teams, um, one of them being Ohio State in the playoff, obviously. Me too. Um, assuming they don't uh, choke next week. I have, I have Penn State in the Rose Bowl. I have Wisconsin playing in the Cotton Bowl against the Boise State Broncos. Oh, wow. Actually, you because, know what? I think I'm going to – your predictions in this Penn State, Minnesota, Wisconsin sort of bubble make a lot more sense than mine. And uh, just just logistically, I think they make more sense. And I, I would like to see that. I would like to see a, a Wisconsin-Boise game. I think that would be a really interesting matchup in Jerry world. Yeah. I think it would work out well. I think it would be similar to what happened – against Western Michigan a few years back. And I think Wisconsin would come away with a win and the attendance wouldn't be amazing. I think it's, I mean, it, it would still draw a decent crowd, but it wouldn't be great. But I think um, with Boise State being such an established power in college football, I think they would probably get favored over Memphis also. I think it's a lot less likely that Boise State loses next week than it is um that the Memphis, but I I could see Memphis losing to Cincinnati is what I'm trying to say. I kind of got my words mixed up there, but Memphis has to play Cincinnati two weeks in a row, uh, both home games for Memphis. Uh, one of them being the American Championship, but I could still see a Memphis loss. I I would have a hard time seeing Hawaii beating 
Boise State uh, this week. So that's why I just think it's a safer bet to put Boise State in that bowl game. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably probably right with that. And we both have Ohio State in the playoff. We said that. Yeah. All right. That is where we differ with that, though, is that you have Oklahoma getting in. I have uh, Utah playing in the Peach Bowl against Ohio State. I'd like to see Utah get in just for the novelty of it, but I think Oklahoma yeah, I think, get it. I think Oklahoma I think right not. now, I think if the playoffs started today, Georgia gets in, but like, let's say Georgia's yeah, out of the equation. Georgia loses. If the playoffs okay. start today. Then Georgia loses to LSU. If Georgia beats yeah. LSU, they're in. If, if if the playoffs start today, Georgia's out of the equation, and it comes down to Utah-Oklahoma, um, I took a hard look at, you know, their resumes and things like that, um, and I got Utah getting in simply because, first off, um, they, they haven't had these close calls with lower down teams like TCU. Not that Utah hasn't had a lot of those games. They had game they had a game against Northern Illinois that was closer than it should have been on paper in the beginning of the season. But also Utah is trending in the right direction. They're winning games now, whereas Oklahoma seems to be, uh, be getting worse. And I say that after Oklahoma just came off a good win against Oklahoma State. But Utah has been looking very impressive lately. And also I think the Utah has a much better shot of taking down an Ohio State or an LSU. They have a better shot than LSU does. Or not LSU, Oklahoma. Because Utah's offense is good enough to the point where they can uh, put up points in the playoff game. But their defense is really good. They've stopped some pretty good offenses. Like, they played against Washington State this year. And they really limited the number six offense in the nation. Uh, They limited them to 13 points, which – you know that's really good. They they beat them by twenty five points. Uh, they've had some some more games like that. They've uh, who else, what other good offenses they played? They they played a very good Arizona offense, which is ranked number thirty nine in, in the nation. They held them to seven points. It's it's games like this that really convince you Utah can play defense, unlike a team like Oklahoma can. So I think that would allow them to compete better with Ohio State and LSU. With that being said, I think Ohio State would, would still win um, by two possessions, but I think they would put up a much better fight than Oklahoma. So that's why I just think that Utah's more deserving of that spot. However, if Oklahoma goes on to beat Baylor in the Big 12 championship, that's going to look more impressive with two Baylor wins and an Oklahoma State win. That's going to look more impressive than and, uh, just an well, Oregon win in your resume. Texas way more impressive at the time. Maybe oh, yeah, Texas as much right now. I, I think that means zero at this point. Yeah, you're kind of right. Well, I think that will pretty much do it for our show today. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll have so plenty much. of content for you on Saturday, we promise. Thanks for listening to all of our mini rants, all of our predictions, all of our hot takes, all regular season long. This was a really, really fun season, and we're glad to have shared it with you. And we're not done yet. We're going to have, uh, you know, whenever bowl season rolls around, I'm going to give you guys a lot of highlights on Instagram. Hopefully, we'll be able coverage. to do – we'll, Maybe some bowl. I'm sure we'll have a whole bowl season preview soon, but hopefully we can do a little mini episode for each game. Um, uh-huh. I feel like that'd be a, a cool thing to, to yeah. get into. We'll have a lot of time on our yeah. hands going into that. I'm sure, unless we have, you know, finals and stuff. But whatever, right? We'll yeah. we'll have time, and there's a lot of time until those bowls roll around. So I think we can crank out a lot of content from that. Hopefully, it'd be it'd be really really fun. And I love bowl season. I know the two of us, there's a a semi-decent chance we get to make it to a bowl game. We'll be at the Big Ten Championship this weekend, obviously, but maybe we can make it to a bowl game, and hey, maybe Griffin can make it to the Pinstripe Bowl. Maybe. I'd like to see that. He's been before. He has a fun story. He tells about uh, when 
Who did he see play in the Pinstripe Bowl? He, he's told it was him. Notre Dame, and I think it was Notre Dame in Michigan. No, I don't think. No, he was wearing a Michigan hat to troll people. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was Notre Dame, and they played somebody else. He wore a Michigan hat, and he wore somebody else's shirt. He to... wore a Rutgers jacket, I think. Yeah. But yeah. Hold up. We'll talk to, we'll talk to Griffin about that uh, one whenever both season rolls around. Uh, I'm looking it up. No, it was Rutgers. It was Rutgers. Oh, it was. And oh. Notre Dame beat Rutgers. So I, I, he must have. Yeah, we'll just talk to him because we don't want to mess up his story. It was a good story. So, yeah, we'll get him. Whenever the Pinstripe Bowl comes around, we'll get him to talk about that. All right. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. It's always always a good time. All right, I'll see you in two days. Thanks for listening. All right, bye.